Hi guys and welcome back to the Female Fitness Podcast. We are your hosts, Danny and Sammy. First of all, we want to say thank you so much for the support. It's literally been amazing. Um, we literally couldn't have asked for anything better. We appreciate it so much. And if you are liking the podcast, if you could leave us a review on iTunes, it would be amazing. Um, we really appreciate it. So keep the feedback coming. Keep asking us your questions um, and keep following along if you are enjoying it. And also, guys, feel free to just message us with any suggestions because we're making this podcast for you and we want to give you as much information as possible. So today's episode is going to be a Q&A style p- podcast. We've got some questions from you guys from Instagram, from client messages, etc. So we will kick off with the first question, um, which is how much cardio do you do when you are cutting and how many weeks out do you start cardio? I think this depends on a lot of things. Um, the first thing to look at is the person's lifestyle. So if you have quite a sedentary job, so like an office job, for example, you may have to start with more cardio than someone who's already quite active. Yeah, definitely. And it's completely person dependent. So I personally wouldn't introduce cardio until it's necessary. You've got to remember that cardio is just a tool to increase energy expenditure. Um, So therefore you wanna keep that tool in your toolbox for as long as you possibly can until it is necessary and then you only increase cardio when it's needed when fat loss starts to stall and you don't just increase it kind of weekly yeah and i think a lot of people associate cardio with getting lean but in reality it does take away from your training sessions and at the end of the day the goal is to preserve your muscle also i find it's different for everyone but for some people they do better with adding cardio but keeping their food higher where some people prefer or do better when their food gets lower, but they don't do any cardio. Yeah, and something else which is worth remembering is that you adapt to cardio. So the more you do cardio, the more efficient your body becomes at that cardio. So for example, if you're doing 30 minutes of cardio a day on the Stairmaster, you are gonna get better at that every single week. And therefore in that 30 minute period, you will burn less calories and that also is relevant as your body weight comes down you burn less calories in a 30 minute window so therefore your cardio is going to have to increase as you go through prep as you become a smaller person and your body becomes more efficient at that cardio yeah exactly and also if you're someone who's not really doing many steps so you're not quite active use that as a cardio tool as well so first think about increasing your steps as opposed to adding like session of uh, stairmaster Definitely. Yeah. Um, next question. Do you think it's possible to train all alone and still achieve an amazing physique? Because we tend to give up. It is possible. Um, and I don't know whether this question is referring to alone without a coach or being alone in the gym. It's definitely possible to achieve great results results either way so if you're training alone in the gym you've just got to make sure you stay disciplined you try and program your training so that you've got a structure to work off and you're not just going in the gym and winging it um but it all comes down to you as an individual really whether you work better alone or with someone to hold you accountable and push you i think most people can benefit and do benefit from having a coach um especially during their first season of competing because they hold you accountable 
um, and you're not just kind of going off your own back and winging things. You've got someone to tell you what to do and when to do it and to kind of um, push your own boundaries a little bit. So I think for most people, it's definitely beneficial to have a coach, but it is possible to achieve great results on your own. You've just got to be a very determined individual um, and not give yourself excuses, etc. And even if you're someone who's quite comfortable with where they're at in their fitness journey, you've been training for a while, I don't think that means that you don't need to have a coach. I think sometimes it's good to have a coach even if you know what you're doing because it gives you structure, uh, gives you someone to always talk to about things. Yeah. yeah, and there's always room for improvement and room to enhance your knowledge. Like, you don't know everything, no matter who you are. You can always exactly. learn off other yeah. people. And also, if this question is referring to like training with someone, if you're doing a contest prep, you need to remember that when you train with someone whose goals are different to your own, it will become difficult because, you know, when you're in the end of prep, you'll have like, you can't um, recover as well and things like that. Definitely. Um, this is a really good question, actually. Is there anything else you would tell your younger self? Hmm, I think... Younger self in what? In terms of like training? So is there any advice you would give yourself when you were younger? I think if you start working with a coach, make sure that they're a good coach. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, so not like a bro approach because unfortunately when I first started, it was very bro approach. So I think I had a really negative like view on everything. Yeah. And if I was to give my younger self general advice, I would just say... Don't be afraid to go after what you want and pursue whatever you want to do because I think for a while, particularly when I was in secondary school, I was I was kind of set on going to uni and going down the kind of the route which everyone is told to take. Go to uni, get a degree, um, do your A-levels, get good grades, etc. But in reality... I kind of knew in the back of my mind that I didn't necessarily enjoy the education route and I was kind of made to do something else, which obviously is now I'm self-employed, um, I run my own business and I'm competing, which is, you know, very out of the ordinary. And um, I think I just tell myself to go for it rather than wasting time trying to please other people and doing what is seen as the norm kind of thing yeah and to add to that actually um i was made to go to uni by my parents like they're like no you have to go and now i'm literally in the same position as daddy like i have the same job as you and i just wasted i feel like i wasted a few years going to uni because it's not what i want to do yeah exactly so i think it would just be kind of trust your own instinct and go for what you want to do live a happy and fulfilled life rather than trying to please what is seen yeah. as... And always remember that if you're not receiving support in that time, just like focus on yourself and in time those people around you will understand because, for example, when I first got into fitness, my parents didn't really support it and then uh, after I competed and won my competitions, they're now so supportive because they're like, oh, okay, now we know why you do this. Yeah, you know? and not everybody understands at first, but they will eventually, all the right people will understand. Um, next question, how did you guys come up with the idea to do the podcast and how do you feel about the feedback? Well, we started the podcast obviously saying how amazing the feedback had been 
Um, in terms of starting the podcast, me and Sammy have been friends while, obviously, I've started coaching Sammy. And it's actually something we have been thinking about for a few months now. Um, we did the Q&A on um, Instagram, the live Q&A, and a few people tuned into that. After that was really successful, we were like, let's turn this into a podcast, something which people can kind of save and re-listen to. Because the live Q&As on Instagram obviously just um, disappear once you've done them and only they're only live for 24 hours. So yeah, it's something that we wanted to do. We naturally want to put out content to help you. So that's why we wanted to do it. We know we're confident in our own abilities as coaches and our own knowledge. And it's something we wanted to share. And there was definitely a gap in the podcast market for something like this a female orientated podcast which is actually full of valuable information yeah i think that's i think the same like we couldn't really see anything on itunes that resembled this so yeah we just thought why not give it a shot and the feedback has been so good like there's people who i didn't even expect uh, messaged me you know so next question how would you suggest a complete beginner who is overweight would start to get into bodybuilding? So I think first of all, um, I would start with a fat loss phase. The reason why is just to see where you're at, you will need to lose that body fat anyway. Um, Or another approach is just to start training. If you've never gone to the gym or anything, just start training, looking at your nutrition, and then your body will start to change anyway. Yeah, and you need to, so, if you want to compete you need to love training so in my opinion the first thing you need to do is get into a good routine with training start a proper training program um, with structure to it and see if you really enjoy it because if you don't you're not going to be able to carry out a successful contest prep and get where you want to be um, so start training first i would definitely agree with sammy and saying you need to run a fat loss phase if you are overweight um because you aren't going to be able to lose if you are overweight like you said in the question you won't want to lose all of the body fat in one chunk in a contest prep because that way you would most likely lose muscle tissue you'd end up on very low calories um, potentially sacrifice some aspects of health um, so yeah get rid of some body fat first run a fat loss phase see what your physique looks like how much muscle tissue you are carrying and then you can always transition into a hypertrophy phase after that if you feel like you need to build more muscle tissue before stepping on stage um, and this would also give you time to establish whether you actually do want to compete and whether you're doing it for the right reasons or not yeah, I think the mistake a lot of people make is, you know, right now bodybuilding is becoming quite popular. So they see, you know, all these people competing, they look so good, I want to look like that, I want to have a six pack. And they think if they just start going to the gym, they can do a contest prep. But in reality, it takes so much time to put on muscle. And I made that mistake in my first year that I started going to the gym. I thought, oh, I want to compete in bikini. But luckily I realized that, you know, I still look like skinny fat and I weighed like so much less than when I first started. So I would say my advice is to first have a good few solid years of training, maybe get a coach. If you're not sure what you're doing, make sure you have all of that under control before looking to commit to a contest prep. Yeah, I would definitely advise getting a coach 100%. Um, And also it's worth remembering you shouldn't compete if 
your goal is just to look good. If your goal is to look good, you can train, you can diet, etc. without stepping on stage. It's more than just looking good. Trust me, you have to put a lot into it. Even if you just do a photo shoot, because it's a lot less pressure, you don't have to get as lean and maybe first start out with that before looking to do an actual competition. Yeah, definitely test the waters first. Uh, how much money does it cost for a first timer to enter bodybuilding? So that actually, that question actually ties into this one. Um, so bodybuilding is expensive as a sport. It's not necessarily the entry into the competition that's the most expensive. It's your bikini, tan, makeup, heels. Um, your show tan on the day can be like up to 60, 70 quid. Your makeup, again, like what, 30, 40. Yeah. Um, your hair, if you want your hair done. I personally do like my hair myself and get my sister to do my makeup to try and minimize the cost a little bit. Um, posing seminar. Posing. Posing coaching is like up to, it can be 50, 75 quid an hour. And if you're competing somewhere that's not close to home, some people even get a hotel. So that also adds up. There's travel. Um, Your bikini will cost hundreds of pounds if you get it new. Um, For two bros, the entry was 150, I think. Um, And then I had to pay for tan on top of that, which was 60. but yeah, it's not necessarily the entry, which I would say is the most expensive. It's the whole process. Um, so you definitely want to make sure you are in a secure financial position before you start competing. And also make sure that it's actually what you want to do because it, it, like, it adds up. Yeah, you, don't, you would not compete to make money. You're not going to make a lot of money from competing at all, um, if anything. So you definitely need to be doing it for the right reasons because you love the sport and you love the entire process, not as a financial gain. It's not a job, it's not a career. I think also people make it seem like it's a glamorous thing, but in reality, no one shares all of the downsides of prep. You know, that you probably have more downs than ups, to be honest, through the whole process. So you need to be willing to accept that. Yeah, definitely. You need to, you need to be willing to invest a lot into it in terms of money and time, energy, um, it's a really big part of your life. So really do make sure you're doing it for the right reasons first. And I would highly recommend getting a coach as one of your investments. Right, so favorite exercises and types of training. So my favorite exercise is definitely a deadlift. Um, and I can't deadlift at the minute because of my foot. So that's quite depressing, but Um, Yeah, definitely a deadlift. I just think it's so empowering to be able to lift a lot of weight off the floor. Um, I always feel super good afterwards. But yeah, if anyone didn't know at the minute, I think I've fractured one of the metatarsals in my foot. So I can't train legs properly how I would like to with heavy loads. um, Because it hurts when I push through the ball of my foot and I don't want to make it worse. But yeah, deadlifting, definitely my favourite type of training. My favorite exercise is yeah, either sumo deadlift or just regular squat. Um, so anything leg related really, it's always been my favorite um, area to train. And in terms of types of training, I think just really heavy, like six to eight rep range. Yeah. What about you? For my rep range, a mixture, it depends what I'm doing. But I 
the thing is I really like going all out on my sets and if I do that on my first set of deadlifts I'll literally kill myself off for the second two so I like to work in a variety of rep ranges I'll do like a my heaviest set first and then do a bit of a back off set to get a mixture in there um, and usually go to failure on my last set should we cover how to train around an injury because it might be quite an interesting topic yeah briefly yeah so yeah so as you said that you've um, yeah. potentially fractured your foot so i think i fractured my foot i have been to the walking center um but they couldn't give me a scan there if i want to get a scan i've got to go to the doctors to get an appointment to get a scan and it's just a bit of a mic take so i'm just going to rest it and assume that it's a fracture um what i have done to work around that is i've taken some of the volume away from my lower body sessions and put it into my upper and reduce the frequency that I'm training my lower body as well. Um, and I'm using different styles of training. So my current split is push, pull, legs. But I, on my pull session, I don't deadlift because I can't deadlift at the minute. It's too painful and I don't want to make my foot worse. Um, so my leg sessions, I'm using occlusion training at the minute, which is blood flow restriction. And the reason I'm using that is because the only exercise for my quads I can do is a leg extension. Um, so occlusion is just basically applying a different stimulus um, and it can be used at loads as low as 20% of your one rep max um, to produce the same results with hypertrophy as um, heavier work basically. So I'm just using that whilst I can't train my legs properly um, and then I'm still able to do hamstring curls, hip thrust pushing through the the um, heel of my feet I'm able to do a leg press high and wide and put my toes over the edge of the leg press so I'm literally doing everything I possibly can to maintain tissue through my lower half I'm sticking at maintenance calories at the minute um, before running a mini cut and really focusing on my upper body whilst I can't train lower to my usual extremes basically um, so yeah trying to see as much progress with push and pull as I can whilst I can't train legs properly but it's better ultimately I find it extremely hard to rest but it's better to rest let yourself recover and then get back into it rather than making it worse um, and having a more long-term injury so I just need to suck it up and rest really <laughs> um, next question is is it okay to do weight training during periods I have been doing weight training during periods and I felt that I'm more at ease after starting this. During that yeah, so I definitely agree that uh, during your period you should train and I always train when I have my period. I feel like it helps me get my mind off things, it helps with the blood flow, I think it just makes you feel better as well. It yeah. releases, um, when you train, you release like happy hormone. Endorphins. So that, yeah, endorphins and it helps you um, when you have your period. Yeah. I do think you should train for your period. Obviously, if you're experiencing really bad side effects such as cramps, etc., take it easy. Um, take a rest day if you really need to, if you do have severe cramps, because as we are aware, some people do get it quite bad. Um, so yeah, just kind of listen to your body, but train if you can, definitely. You'll feel much better for it. Um, I sometimes feel a bit sluggish at that time of the month, and training helps me feel a bit more alive and energetic. Yeah, and if you're someone who, because there are people who really struggle when they have their periods um, and you literally can't make it to the gym, maybe structure your training in a way that like 
either you dealer during that time if you know it's coming up or you have your rest your first rest day or something on the first day of a period yeah don't be afraid to jiggle your training and rest days around a little bit if you know you are going to perform better on a different day um that's okay um so next question whey protein or lean gainer i want to gain muscle and put on a bit of weight help so first of all weight there's nothing magical about whey protein and lean gainers it's just like the same thing as having chicken for example it's kind of like considered a, a dietary supplement so first have a look at your nutrition if you want to gain muscle you need to first ensure that you're eating enough so above maintenance to help you with gaining muscle yeah ideally if your goal is hypertrophy so to increase your muscle tissue you need to be in a calorie surplus um which is obviously eating above your maintenance calories you don't have to be in an absolutely huge calorie surplus and gain excessive amounts of body fat um however your most productive environment for hypertrophy is a calorie surplus first of all once you've got that nailed your second thing to consider is your protein intake and your training um all whey protein is really is a source of protein which can help you hit your protein goals it's not magic it's just another protein source um so one don't be afraid of it because it's really quick and easy it's handy for example i'll take whey protein shake to the gym and have it immediately post-workout because it means i don't have to cook anything um and i can quickly get a source of protein in so don't be afraid to use it it's not going to make you put on weight it's just another protein source however you do need to track the calories from whey protein like you would any other protein source um because it does contain calories and it will push your overall intake up um so yeah track it as protein as usual it's quick it's easy it's fantastic i would always go for whey protein your standard whey protein rather than any of the other crazy shakes there's like diet weight loss shakes there's um lean gainers and in reality all they are is overpriced overhyped products because you are tricked into thinking oh my god like a, a fat loss way um it's going to make me lose a load of body fat when in reality it's not it's just got um added products in it to make it look special and expensive yeah. um so it's overpriced just go for normal whey protein or whey protein isolate and you can always just make your own smoothie just add some oats into there some berries peanut butter banana anything you want because if you yeah if you look at the back of these lean gainers they just add a lot of stuff like yeah. carb powders yeah you know and if you do so the one place i would say maybe go for one of the gainer shakes is if you are really struggling to get calories in but i myself have never been in that situation where i ha i can't consume enough calories from food so i need to have it from a shake yeah, but that's exactly. the only place i would say to maybe utilize that what if carbon fat targets are met but can't hit your protein goal so with this question obviously you need to remember the first thing to consider is your overall calorie intake and how you're training because your calorie intake is going to determine whether you maintain, gain or lose weight or body fat um, and muscle tissue. Yeah, so think of it like a pyramid. I always say this, but at the bottom of the pyramid is calories in versus out. So that's going to determine what's happening with your body composition. Then you can start looking at things like macronutrients, nutrient timing. 
So first make sure that you're eating enough. Um, then once you've been hitting your carbs and fats and yeah, once, sorry, once you start hitting your calories, you can start looking at hitting your carbs, fats and protein. So if you're struggling to hit your protein, we can give some tips of easy ways to get in protein. So like we said, protein powder is an excellent way. Um, just cooking lots of chicken, maybe just bulk cooked chicken. So you always have it available. Greek yogurt and quark are really quick, easy and accessible sources of protein, which are quite cheap. So um, you can get them from Aldi. Like they're so cheap, they're quick and easy. You can put them in the fridge and they don't require any cooking. So things like that are perfect. Egg whites as well. Yeah. Quite easy. Um, Especially if you're a vegetarian. So if you're someone who's vegetarian and you don't eat meat, um, you can get uh, whey protein, egg whites, cheese, even... Cottage cheese, yeah. quark. Um, but ultimately, remember as well, if you plan ahead, you will be able to hit your macro goals if you really want to. It's just about being a bit disciplined with yourself and making yeah. sure that you apply what you know. So if you plan ahead and track your food for the day, if you haven't hit your protein, just go back into your meals and increase the quantity of protein you're having in each main meal. So say you've got 100 grams of chicken breast in a meal and you've not hit your protein goal, increase that to like 150. Exactly. It's just applying a little bit of um, common sense in some cases. Yeah, and there's, but, there's nothing wrong with eating like more chicken, you know? It's not like, oh, I need to make sure I'm eating like different things. Like, of course, variety is good, but there's nothing wrong with just having more chicken or having more egg whites. Yeah. But um, yeah, just make sure you're getting several servings of protein in throughout the day. Try and hit your goal if you can. But what it ultimately comes down to is your overall calorie intake. That is the most important factor um, when you are trying to lose body fat or maintain your scale weight or even develop muscle tissue. But um, protein, I would say, is more important if you are trying to develop muscle tissue. Definitely. Um, <laughs> next question is from my mum. Um, I would like to compete. I'm 50 years old. Which stage should I go for? Uh, Russia, UK or USA? <laughs> so you start with this, Sammy, since it's from your mom. <laughs> um, well, first of all, I want to say if you, if you are 50 years old or basically masters older, you need to make sure that you have been training consistently because I know obviously the younger you are, like your recovery is better and your performance generally is better. So as you get older, just make sure that you've been training consistently um, and properly for a few years. And there are a lot of federations that have master's categories, um, which yeah. you can enter. Most of them, I think, are 35 years and older. So you will be competing against you know, people who are as young as 35. And like we've said before on the podcast, you need to, in terms of considering federations, you need to remember there are drug-tested federations and natural federations so if you want to make sure you are on a level playing field and you're, com you're natural yourself um, and you want to compete against other natural competitors, then maybe go for a federation like the UK, the FBA, um, where it is drug tested and you know you're going to be on a level playing field. Yeah, and when it comes to where to compete, Russia, UK or USA, it really doesn't matter. Like All of them have their own federations. Just make sure that, for example, if you're going to compete in USA... Um, and you have a Russian passport, because I know my mom has one, um, that you are allowed to do that and you can still enter the competitions there. But other than that, it doesn't really make a difference. Just have a look at the different federations. And take into account travel as well, because travel can be very stressful. And if you have to go somewhere 
um, during your peak week for a competition, for example, you're going to have to be really careful with food sources. And I know myself, when I travel, my ankles literally swell up yeah. like horrendously. Um, I naturally have quite skinny ankles, so I always notice it. Um, so if you do experience water retention from flying, you need to think about traveling earlier rather than later so that you can get back, get rid of any water retention and make sure that you are presenting your best physique on stage um, and try and minimize stress as much as possible with traveling as well. Yeah, so if you are competing abroad, you need to make sure that you will be taking you know, up to a week off. So it depends how many shows you're going to do, but you might end up taking off quite a lot of time. Yeah. Um, next question we've already kind of covered, but advice for someone competing for the first time. One thing I would definitely say is do not compare yourself to anybody else. Don't go looking for your competition on social media. Um, stop comparing yourself to people who've been competing for like five, ten years even. Um, you are just starting out. You're like year one you can't compare yourself to somebody who's been competing lifting dieting going through hypertrophy phases for years um because you're you're not going to have as much muscle tissue as them you're not going to have quite as good as a physique yet you might one day but you've got to focus on progress in your own right and if you are moving forward you should be incredibly proud of yourself um because however slow however fast you're making progress you're you're still moving forwards towards your goal um and yeah you you're only going to hold yourself back if you start comparing yourself to others um because you're never going to be somewhere you're never going to be somebody else you can only be a better version of yourself exactly and um my advice because last year was the first time i competed was to make sure that you have everything ready early so you know you know what venue it is where you're going to get your tan, who you're going to do your posing with, where you're going to get your bikini with. Because the last thing you want is like four weeks out to just be all over the place. For example, with me, I ordered my bikini from Russia, which is kind of a mistake. I don't think I'll ever do that again. But I didn't get my bikini until literally like four days out. It was yeah. so bad and so stressful. So make sure that you have that under control. Um, and I would definitely say get a coach. Um, it's going to take so much stress away from you. You'll feel a lot more at ease. You'll most likely achieve much better results um, as you'll have someone to look at you objectively. It's very hard to be analytical of yourself, especially the back end of prep. Um, so definitely get a coach. You'll, you will not regret it. You'll learn so much from them. Um, you'll achieve your best, your full potential basically. Um, and yeah, you'll never look back. Getting a coach for my first season was the best decision I ever made, I think. Yeah, I completely agree. And then next question, why is it important to have a menstrual cycle and why can it disappear during prep? So having a menstrual cycle, first of all, is telling you that your hormones are in a healthy place. And obviously when your hormones are in a healthy place, you're going to have better recovery, I think. Um, you'll be able to progress much better in the gym. Yeah. The reason and your body, sorry, and your body is ready to go through something like a fat loss phase because if your hormones are shut down, I think you stop seeing progress. Like it yeah. becomes really difficult for your body, especially as a female. So you obviously ovulate and get a menstrual cycle when your body 
is in a fit state to bear children. So the reason you lose your menstrual cycle during a contest prep is because obviously you get to an extremely low body fat percentage and you have a lack of energy availability. So then what happens is your body starts to sacrifice processes like your menstrual cycle in order to basically keep you alive. Um, so obviously that's one of the things that's sacrificed and it, sh- it just shows that you are not in your naturally kind of like healthy state. You're not, your body is not prepared to have children and it's not going to be prepared when you're in an extremely low body fat percentage and you're about to compete. Um, and it's also, so basically when you lose your menstrual cycle and you have lack of energy availability, it, you can also, if you stay in that for a long period of time and experience amenorrhea, which is a lack of menstrual cycle, um, you can experience problems with mo- bone mineral density um, and you're just not in a very healthy place. So you don't want to stay there for very long. Um, you want to get yourself out as quickly as possible post-show and try and get your menstrual cycle back. Yeah, basically your body's goal in life is to stay alive. So it starts to shut off functions that it doesn't need to do, like um, making you know making babies, basically. Um, so it starts to focus and um, use its energy on things like, you know, keeping you alive. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. So yeah, like we've said in our first episode, before you um, want to compete, make sure that that is all under control. Yeah, and you also need to bear in mind that the longer you don't have your menstrual cycle for, the harder it is going to be to get it back and the longer it may take. Um, So for example, if you've not had your menstrual cycle for an entire year, you can't expect to get it back immediately post-show. It's going to take a lot of time and a lot of hard work for your body to be ready to conceive again, basically. Um, so you need to bear that in mind if you do want to have children in the future and you are competing, it is something you are putting at risk and you need to try and minimise the time which you are not ovulating and experiencing your normal menstrual cycle. And last question that we have for you guys is how to deal with cravings. Um, so what I will say first of all is during prep you're going to be hungry and you're going to experience extreme hunger it's something you have to deal with and you have to accept you can't avoid it it's going to happen so yeah during prep it's an extreme sport it's not just a case of dieting for everyday life for a holiday etc you are going to experience extreme hunger you're going to be uncomfortable and you've got to accept that Um, So yeah, when it comes to dealing with cravings, I think first of all make sure that you're having solid meals and not just like snacks here and there and have protein with every meal because I find that helps keep you full. Yeah, protein is the most satiating macronutrient which means it makes you feel fuller for longer. So make sure you do have a serving of protein with each main meal Um, and that's one of the reasons it's beneficial to have a decent protein intake when you are dieting. Yeah, and then obviously when it comes to the time around your period, since you know that you're going to have those cravings, maybe make sure that you're a bit more flexible with the food choices that you have. Yeah, and I would also say um, in terms of hunger, make sure you've been smart with your food choices. Try and choose 
whole foods which are a little bit more volume dense which are going to make you feel fuller for longer for example jam is a very calorie dense food very low in volume whereas rice cakes are a very high volume food which are low in calories so if you're experiencing hunger you'd go for rice cakes over jam because it's going to fill you up for longer um and it's more volume dense yeah i completely agree or like what i tend to do is like swap rice for a potato yeah that really helps. there are loads of little swaps you can make where which will really help you out when you're dieting but like i said earlier you can't avoid hunger when you're in a fat loss phase it is going to happen yeah. at some point and i also find that it, as time goes it gets easier because your body kind of gets used to it because i remember when i was first starting prep for example i was really struggling with how hungry i was and then towards the end i feel like because i just got it all under control like i was eating high volume foods getting my vegetables in and when you're close to a show as well you know it's around the corner so you've got that kind of like i don't know yeah i know you that that laser vision you you're you don't even think about eating over your macros or whatever because you you have that goal you're doing it for the right reasons and you wouldn't even consider it because otherwise you're going to step on stage and think to yourself i could have worked harder for that which no one ever wants to feel also guys i think another really key thing when it comes to cravings and just being hungry is fiber that is really important for you to get enough fiber in so i would say like aim for 30 grams i guess is the average yeah yeah if you get so in my fitness pal if you use my fitness pal it gives you at the end of the day how much fiber you've had and if you're struggling to get your fiber in have things like flaxseed sweet potato oats oats, berries um yeah there are loads of fiber sources around um and also so we are coming towards the end of the episode now and we just wanted to quickly update you so sammy how was russia oh russia was so good this was i think the longest i've been with my family in quite a long time because obviously my family doesn't live in the uk my siblings live in london but my parents don't live in the uk so it was so nice and this was the first time i was able to go away i didn't overeat so i didn't like binge whereas before whenever i'd get time off from dieting i would just go crazy because I was just so restrictive so it was really nice to just have that mental break and I feel like I'm so ready now to be focused yeah yeah I think you've managed Russia really well um and like you said it's the first holiday where you've come back and you've not like to be honest I even weigh less (laughs) yeah exactly yeah I don't look as tight because I think my training there wasn't as intense as here which is kind of understandable because my nutrition wasn't on point you know some days I didn't even train so yeah but i'm just really happy with where i'm at to be honest and you're due on your period as well yeah and i'm due on my period which is really good because and plus i was flying like two days ago so you do get sometimes a bit of water retention after flying so i'm really excited to see what i look like in like a week's time yeah yeah i'm really excited for you um and obviously i mentioned about my foot earlier so i'm pretty much trying to maintain where i'm at right now whilst pushing training performance to potentially get some make some progress with hypertrophy whilst maintaining my scale weight kind of harden this body weight up a little bit and then when i'm back to training properly i will run a mini cut before i continue to push um so yeah we'll see how that goes cool thank you for tuning in and we'll see you in the next one
keep the feedback coming guys we really appreciate it um thank you for listening and we'll speak to you soon bye